Take a seat at the table with us. My name is Anthony Brinson. My name is Maddie Warden. I'm Thomas Cobb. And I'm Brad LaPlante. And this is the Sports Roundtable Podcast. So, if you guys can't see, we got some new faces. Thank you guys, Brad, and thank you, Maddie, for joining us. So, usually, I guess I can look at the camera now. So, usually how um, our previous format was, it was myself, Thomas, and Deshaun. And now we're going to try and switch into a different format of having new hosting, potentially new hosting every week. Shout out PJ and the Sports Desk. That's why Maddie is here. And then we had a bit of um, difficulties of getting in some other people. But we're here. So, first of all, how Brad and Maddie, how y'all feeling? Feeling good. I can talk a lot, and I can talk a lot about sports, so I feel like it's gonna go pretty well. <laughs> Sounds like you're perfect for the Sports Roundtable podcast, Dan. How you feel, Brad? I'm good. I'm great. I'm excited. If you guys aren't familiar with Brad, he's pretty much our new editor for uh, this year of the podcast. The reason why I'm talking to you in the camera now is because of Brad, so thank you, Brad, for the cameras and restructuring the podcast room and helping me bring this vision to light, so thank you, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited, and I love it. I love doing it. <laughs> Thank you, boss. <laughs> boss is crazy. I don't even, I'm still not even used to, I guess technically I am your boss. But um, <laughs> a lot of the sports, I guess, activities or events that we do have been pretty cool. I just uh, learned the other day that we kind of finance trips to get our reporters out there and to perfectly segue into it. So Thomas covered the U of M, or excuse me, not U of M, Michigan State-Wisconsin game. And didn't we win that game, luckily, or did we end up losing? Unfortunately for the Spartans, they did not end up winning that game. Um, It was a great experience for me being able to go. Uh, I went to Chicago earlier in the season for the Duke game for the Champions Classic and then to Detroit uh, around Christmas break for the Baylor game. Okay. Um, And so this was... Uh, I'd say my third time going on the road. Great experience. Uh, cool arena, the Cole Center. But it was it was not Michigan State's night by any means. It was a step back for them. They had entered that game as winners of eight of their last ten. And they had a golden opportunity because Wisconsin was the best team in the Big Ten. They still are. They're leading record. Uh, I think just one loss still at this point. And it was one of just a handful of opportunities remaining for this year's MSU team to pick up that statement win in the conference. They have, I would say, pretty much just one statement win at this point, and that was the Baylor game. Mm-hmm. I think that, according to the metrics, their next biggest win was actually against Indiana State mm-hmm. here at the Resident Center. Uh, that's t- that's classified as a quadrant one win. Okay. So those two are still our only quadrant one wins. And, you know, one thing's clear. They're going to have to pick that up at some point if they want a favorable draw in the tournament. Uh, they have Illinois at home coming up in a few weeks. I believe it's February 10th. Um, and then Purdue on the road at the end of the year. But that's, you know, not – that's a very small likelihood that you're going to go down there and mm-hmm. get a win where they haven't gotten a win in, you know, who knows how long, five, yeah. six, seven years. So that Illinois game's one that we're circling. But uh, Wisconsin just dominated them. Uh, inside, they – uh, their big man, seven footer Stephen Crow, was too much for Michigan State. Had 15 points, seven rebounds, three assists. AJ Store, six seven, lengthy guard who can handle the ball and shoot. Went for 28. He went for 22 on December 5th when Wisconsin beat Michigan State at the Breslin Center by 13. That kind of epitomized their early season struggles, and then they kind of went back to it. Unfortunately, in Madison for those for those uh, those 40 minutes where they just never really had a real pulse or rhythm. Well, I mean, never say never, man. You mentioned that it'll be difficult to um, walk into Purdue and get that win, and I can imagine it's going to be an uphill battle. But in your opinion, based on your analysis, what do you think MSU has to do to kind of get these impactful wins? 
they just have to put it together for 40 minutes. I mean, Tom Izzo has harped consistently throughout the season. Like, this this team can play with anybody in the country, and we've seen that. They had, a, uh, I believe it was a three-point lead over Arizona uh, in a neutral site game over Thanksgiving with, I'd say, four minutes to go. Uh, they've had chances in a lot of their a lot of their uh, close losses. So just being able to have consistency in performance where they're playing like the team that they need to be for as long as stre- of stretches as possible, whereas you know, you're seeing them get off to slow starts, you're seeing them have these lags and productions in the middle of games where you know, that's ultimately costing them in a lot of these, uh, these close losses, like I said. What say you, Maddie? I was going to say, aren't they known for, if they're down at the half, they, are, they struggle to come back. Isn't that a yeah. big thing right now? And they were down two last night. They uh, came back. At Michigan. Or, sorry, not at Michigan. Yeah. At home versus Michigan. Uh, it was Tom Izzo's 69th birthday. Picked up his 700th career win. Um, just kind of a storybook. Said 69? That man don't look a day over 50. What are you talking about? <laughs> 29 years. 29 mm. years for one team. 700 wins all with, with Michigan State. And it was just a great night to do it. Rivalry game. Biggest rival, I would say, for the, for the program. At home. Jam-packed arena. His friends and family were there. It's just a great, great, feel-good win for the team. But there's no doubt that you know they're they face an uphill battle in the conference. I mean, their chances at realistically getting back into that picture very slim. Mm. However, they can you know sort of boost their their resume for March with a pretty favorable schedule. I believe the metrics have them favored in all but one of their games okay. for the rest of the regular season, and that's the Purdue game. Okay, they actually are favored at home against. Uh, Illinois team that's been playing really well and has their best player back, Terrence Shannon Jr. Okay, well, you gave a perfect transition to the U of M game. Congratulations that um, we took care of business, beat them by 19, if I'm not mistaken, 81 62. You got any thoughts about that, Maddie? Um, I I would like to take a second to talk about that block from Cohen Carr. I think that was in the first half. That he just, he's insane. That was insane. Yeah, the call, uh, I believe it was Robbie Hummel on the call, mm. um, said, you know, that's a dunk against 99% of college basketball. But when you got a guy who's got those kind of ups, it's it, it that, that kind of thing can happen. And the Fresno Center erupted. It was kind of a much-needed like, energy boost. They were sort of struggling in the first half. Mm-hmm. And they kind of came to life after that. They were down nine points. Couldn't hit a shot. Uh, Michigan, at one point, made eight straight shots. They were shooting wow. 60% at halftime. They made, I think, four out of their five first threes. So it was just like one of those one of those things where they faced that early adversity. They had to kind of claw their way back and then ultimately just stormed ahead, tightened the screws on defense. Michigan, you know, not a very good basketball team, if we're just going to be honest. 7-14, mm-hmm. on track for their worst season in over 15 years. Mm. You know, Juwan Howard's, I would say, on the – sizzling hot seat at this point like he, he might not even make it to the end of the season in my opinion mm-hmm. i was gonna say i, I would leave him on yeah. the bus at this point like <laughs> like i was just, not yeah i i think it's just one of those things where you know he had that early he had that early success but that ability to sustain it with your own players just hasn't worked out so um but it was it was like i said i was i was kind of worried at first i mean i i figured there's no way that michigan wins this game like that's, I, I mean, uh, going into it, I mean, no disrespect to Michigan, but like, there's no way that mm-hmm. this happens. And but and then I was following along, like, because I was out working on a project, and uh, the game started at nine, so I was on my way back uh, at about uh, like nine ten or so. But I, I was following up with the game on the box score, and um, they were losing, 
and I was like, and it was like twenty nine to twenty five or something in that mm-hmm. range. And I was like, this, I mean, like, what's happening sort of thing. And then I sat down to eat dinner, and within the next, like, seven minutes, it, it just, like, completely flipped. Like, the entire game, after halftime, was like, and it was crazy. And I just missed the uh, whatever yeah. happened between that time. I totally missed it. They got their running game going. Uh, two, they were down two at uh, the half. They kind of went back and forth for about for a few minutes. And then Walker had a steal for a layup. Hogard scored in transition, and then Jay Nakins hit, I'd say, four or five threes in the mm-hmm. last, last 15 minutes of the game. Career-high 23 points, kind of a revival game, and getting MSU fans to see what he can kind of be. If they can get that Jay Nakins on a consistent basis, they're they're sitting pretty. I mean, it doesn't matter at that point what kind of production you're getting down low when you have Jay Nakins, who's ultimately, at this point, their third or fourth option. If you want to consider Malik Hall in that mix... Walker and Hogarth are your go-tos up top. Um, one of the best backcourts in the country if they're both playing in sync. But if you, if Jay Nagins that played last night against Michigan comes to play, you know, even every other game, they're going to be exponentially better than, than they've yeah. been because he hasn't necessarily taken that step that a lot of people thought he was going to. I mean, he tested the waters with the NBA draft this past offseason, and you know, Izzo wants to see him in that two-way role, like a Gary Harris kind of player that he had all those years ago, um, that you know can hit shots and play good defense at the same time. And he's a little bit concerned with this year uh, how he's kind of not been able to balance that the best mm-hmm. when he's not hitting shots, he's not playing as good of defense kind of thing. So once he figures that out, he figured it out at the end of last year. He's you know had a heck of a run. Uh, held Michigan State to reach Sweet 16. So if he can capture any kind of that uh, end of what he did last night, they'll be they'll be in a much better position. And then A.J. Hogard had, he had 1,000 last night, didn't he? Yep. Yeah. He had 15 points, That's 7 great. assists. Izzo said he thought he played average in the first half, but turned it on, <laughs> turned it on in the second. And, you know, I think you could kind of tell he was go- he was going for 1,000. I rewatched the game. Yeah. There was a play where... He could have dished it off for an easy layup. I think it was to Colin Carr. Might might even been able to throw him a lob, but uh, he went for a layup, got rejected, and Michigan got it. Came back on a steal, and he scored for his thousandth point. So I was kind of like, okay, he was he was trying, he was forcing. He was a itching bit. for it. He, he was knew itching it was for coming. It. As I would, I would do the same thing. Yeah, same thing. And then those type of milestones aren't easy to achieve. I mean, like you mentioned, Juan Howard, uh, U of M had that early success, and then now it's been kind of um, stagnant. And even so, like going downhill with their record right now. And then absolutely, Tom Izzo. Even though we have had the best season, seven hundred uh, win as a coach, thousand point with um, the player you guys were just yeah. mentioning. Who was it? AJ, AJ, Hogard. AJ Hogard. I mean. There's definitely some light at the end of the tunnel, if you would say. And then, yeah. if especially if we're favored for most of our games, except uh, Purdue. Are we in Purdue in that game? We are, yes. Okay, so yeah, that may be a difficult uh, task. I actually can't remember the last time a Michigan State team won in Mackey Arena. I think mm-hmm. it would have to be before 2000. It would have to be 2018. So mm-hmm. six years, and then before that, they didn't really, like, those, those wins were scarce. It's just kind of been a house of horrors for them. Well, that's pretty insane, but we've taken care of business as far as rivalry weekend, and to go kind of across the pond to even your beat, our team, Michigan State women's team, beat their U of M women's team as well, so. Yeah, and unfortunately we don't have Deshaun here, because he's done a great job covering that team. Yeah. They've done a great job, I think, uh, just showing off early. I mean, it was was kind of a season of, we'll see how this goes. 
it well, wasn't necessarily a prove it season with their new coach Robert correct. Freilich, but they've come out of the gate swinging for sure. Correct me if I'm wrong. Deshaun covers the uh, women's basketball beat. Yes, sir. Okay, yes. my bad. That's my mistake. But with that, because I was actually there at that game, I actually worked that game at the Breslin, mm-hmm. and to see like just how the arena fills up for these type of games and the um, interaction with the fans and then our team actually pulling through. It's like a great full circle moment to see like how everyone comes together for moments like these and they pull it off and it was just a great win to see. Yep, and it was it was another one of those sort of memory memory making days. I think Freilich even said after the game, she said, you know, this is a this is a scrapbook day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And I think it was at the um, scrapbook and family was there a lot of the former players were there yeah, I was yeah about it was, to say, alumni, it was day. alumni day, alumni mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. and the arena was packed i mean i heard that you know people were starting to file into the to the upper bowl because the lower bowl was all full yeah i can t- testament to that there was a lot of uh i'll say frustration between some of the people that were there at the game and part of that frustration was due to the, it was packed the whole arena was packed it's a good so. problem to have yeah, yeah sure. definitely so it was great to be able to open those upper bowls and then get more people seated in because I mean, whether it was general admission or reserved te- seats, there was pretty much nowhere to sit so much. Even some people in my uh, area I was working in, some people were just standing, taking mm-hmm. pictures, getting a video, and they had bought a ticket, but they just couldn't sit down. So it was crazy. Yeah, I think there was like 9,380-something people in attendance for wow. that game, which was mm-hmm. amazing. And now they're 6-4 and four in the Big is Ten. That a, is that a record, the 9,000? It's I, not. I don't think so. But it's got to be up there. For, even for the women's team? Mm-hmm. Not a record? Okay. We would know. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'm sure you would. I'm sure you would. I feel like I read the attendance somewhere. Maybe that was like, maybe it's just for the season, which makes sense. Cause yeah, I think it was game. season high. Yeah, season high. That makes sense. sense. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of the women's team, I know this game was a little old, but man, when they play at Iowa, that game we that game was so winnable. Like we was right there before Kaylin Clark hit that last oh, I shot. Like, I think I think that that game sort of has symbolized their like their season so far and with like their new coach. Mm-hmm. They don't care, you know, who they're playing. They they know who they are, um, which is just a fast, you know, high powered, really good shooting team. I mean, mm-hmm. all five of those, all five of those those starters can hit threes. Two off the bench can hit threes. Like it's just a very. They know themselves. They know their identity, and they don't care if they're going on the road to Iowa. You know, they're gonna play their game, and it was almost good enough to win. I mean, it took a forty foot step back from Caitlin Clark at the buzzer, with like a mil- like a nanosecond. Like watching it live, probably because it was on Peacock and Peacock. Not very pleasant. <laughs> shout out Peacock, though. Shout out Peacock. Shout out Peacock. Shout out Peacock. Shout out Shout out Peacock. Not very pleasant viewing experience. Mm. I'm sorry, but it looked like she didn't get it off. Yeah, I'm sorry. yeah. That's I heard a lot of I that, think, too. I think, she yeah, it wasn't she the did. issue. There, Somebody was saying that the issue was that the, the actual, like, shot clock was not in sync with the, with the, with the the TV display and the scoreboard display. She definitely got it off. Yeah, like, up, yeah. like upon replay. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. but it was so close. It was so close. Was I did not think close. that she did it first. I didn't think she. But it was did a great either. game. I I, wow. I I tuned into it. I mean, I watched almost all that game. And that just shows her talent, really. I mean, I know she don't go here, but shout out Kaylin Clark. She she's people, insane. Along with her, Angel Reese, like they're reshaping mm-hmm. women's sports, and Absolutely. it's great to see because it's been a topic of debate of like, oh, they're not as good as men or the NBA, WNBA, and it's showing that. Not only can it be on the same level, sometimes it could be even more entertaining. Yeah. Like I've watched more women's college basketball than men's college basketball personally, and it's due to people like Angel Reese and uh, Caitlin Clark and our MSU women's team. So shout out to all of them. 
There's a lot of men's basketball players I know that would lose in a one-on-one to Kansas. I mean, really, oh, absolutely, honest. <laughs> but um, to take a step back, actually, I wanted to ask Maddie and Brad since you guys are new guests of the uh, Sports Roundtable. What's your favorite sport and why? Mine is hockey. Um, shout I started out hockey. shout out hockey. <laughs> I started getting into it. It's been probably a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I like finally figured out the sport a little bit more, I just it clicked and I just fell in love with it. And it's just it's high paced and it's it's entertaining and I love it. Do you specify between like NHL or college or is it just hockey in general? I. I would say hockey in general, but I think where I first found the love of hockey was definitely in college. Okay. Um, going to Michigan State games and that kind of thing. So. Didn't our college team beat U of M too? We did. We split the weekend. I mean, well, they, they always play two, so like. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so. so we split the weekend. We lost seven to one on Friday, and we mm, won geez. seven to five on Saturday. Okay, and we that got was, our get that back. Was a comeback win. It was awesome. Yeah, I think I remember people from the state news. They had left and came back. Like, oh, we came back and won. Mm-hmm. But what about you, Brad? Favorite sport? Oh, so uh, I got two that I'm gonna roll off. Um, okay. So my favorite sport is Formula One. We don't cover that here. Sorry. Wait, what is? I know. Uh, <laughs> You could explain for the audience and uh, your fellow co-host what, uh, what is Formula, Formula One. One is the pinnacle of motorsport. Oh, okay. Um, it is a bunch of cars going super quick uh, around, and it is if you haven't like if you think it's just like cars going in circles, um, it's way more than that. I recommend uh, the Netflix series Drive to Survive. An mm. incredible like uh, just drama dramatization of sports you know if you're like into documentary filmmaking it is a master class in storytelling Mm. um even though it's like really exaggerated but it's also (laughs) you know but anyway um cars go really fast it's really uh, dramatic too because they're uh um you know under high pressure they make one wrong turn one mistake they die you know they could die in a fire you know it's basically like it's very 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 intense is basically the gist so is that like a newer movie? Is it older? Uh, you know? Drive to Survive is a it's a so it's a docu series. So they mm. make it once a year. Then the sixth season comes out on February 29th. Okay, like All a right. sales rep for so they've been making it for five years. Yeah, they've been making it for five years now. That. I just it's, found out about it like a few months. I'm gonna ago, have to watch so. that for sure. It hey, is, good promo. Is <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, it's such a good promo. But uh, um, you know, I'm like advertising for it. <laughs> um, but no, it's it's great, and it's it's probably got me like. It's the most obsessed I think I've been about a sport. Like, I mean, because I think the thing I like about Formula One is it's so easy to root for. I'm, like, making this a Formula One podcast. (laughs) It's, like, so easy to root for, like, everybody's, like, because everybody's making the, um, like, the car. Like, you have to make your own car, right? It's not like NASCAR where they just give you a car and then you just put the pieces in or, or, you know, whatever. It's, like, it's where everybody's driving the same car and it's, like, if you can drive this car better, you win. Um, In Formula One, everybody has to, like, basically engage with a science project and make their car the quickest under certain regulations. And then also there's a driver that's driving the car and you have to, like, they're they're part of the equation as well. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty intense. And once I think you get the, like the science part of it, like, I think that's when it becomes exciting. Right. So is it more focused on the driver, the person making the car, or is it everybody? It's kind of everyone. I think that people like to make the assumption that like 
anybody can drive a fast car if your fa- if your car is quick enough. Um, Mercedes dominated the competition between 2014 to 2021, mm-hmm. and then um, and then they had a new regulation change in 2021. So that's kind of the beauty of the sport is every time there's a regulation change, there's like the the car has to be completely remade from the ground up. Right. And so like they have to almost rethink their entire strategy of the way they build the car. And so that kind of leaves the door open for new a new player to come in and dominate. So like from t- 2014 they had a regulation change where they moved to hybrid engines mm. and I'm like tuning everybody out I know. But no, they moved it. they moved to hybrid engines in 2014 and Mercedes dominated until 2021 when there was a new regulation change. I mean imagine if sports were all like this. I mean Tom Brady wouldn't be in half of Super Bowls. You just had to come for Brady. You just well, had to come I mean, to go. Huh? I was a fan of Brady mm. growing up. But that, that's my point is it's, it's, I think that's the beauty of it is that it's always like constantly changing and there's always room for somebody else to sort of take right. that reign, you know, um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it is exciting. And if anybody hasn't watched um, lately, uh, then I would recommend that. So my second favorite sport is hockey. So, okay. you know, so that, that's the one we actually cover, <laughs> you know, the two like really unpopular sports in America, racing and and hockey are my uh, are my two favorites. Well, I mean, no, at least from what I see up here, hockey is uh, popular, man. Like, yeah, once you get like north of Tennessee, and yeah, you know, yeah. or I north mean, I of Kentucky. Yeah, I'm not too hip to it, but um, I don't know if you're familiar with gamer terms. But would you consider like a new regulation, a new, a new meta? Would you say? Um, what's a meta? So it's, <laughs> it stands for most effective tactic available. So you say every regulation they like change car parts to get like it kind of restructures the whole. Uh, um. Wh- so, like, I mean, it's kind. I guess. I mean, it's like. So a lot of the regulation changes are moved for like safety reasons, mm-hmm. or so like because the cars. So basically, after like six years or so, the next the next one is in twenty twenty six. The next regulation change. Okay. The regulation changes are typically made for safety reasons because the cars get too fast and they get too dangerous uh, and then they have to like basically make them more safe um, and also for competitive reasons so like to kind of give everybody a fresh start um, but like last time the regulations were built around the hybrid engine so if you built a really good powertrain your car would go faster um, this time it was much more like aerodynamic specific. Mm. So like if your car has like you walk up to a, a, an F1 car and all the there's a bunch of like little tiny details that are like, you know, there's, um, you know, you're yawning. I'm just kidding. I'm totally just kidding. I'm totally just kidding. You know, but there's like little curves and things like that in the um, in the car that kind of like make it, you know, go quick. But, okay. Do um, they um like, are there specific cars you have to use in Formula One? Or can you just use any, so any type they of model? Can, I mean, you can basically do anything that's a, that's not against the rules. What's so, like, rules? so that's the, so that's, I, I don't know the specifics of it. Oh, okay. okay. But, um, but there is an interesting documentary featuring Keanu Reeves, apparently. Um, I've seen it. I've seen the documentary. Um, but there's, Keanu Reeves interviews this Formula One team from 2009 mm-hmm. where they um, they were a new F1 team it's a long story but basically the, the gist is that Honda um, had a Formula 1 team they didn't want to be in Formula 1 anymore but they couldn't just pull out like that's mm-hmm. not a thing that you can do so instead the, the management of the team bought the team for a dollar 
Okay, like he bought it for one pound. Sixty cents. Yeah, one pound. <laughs> um, he bought it for one pound, and uh, they ran the team. And what they did is they added a second diffuser mm. underneath the car, which basically makes the car stick to the ground more. It sounds like a mechanic's dream. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. So basically all you need to know is it gives the car more downforce and pulls the car to the ground. Okay. Um, and other teams had not thought that creatively about it, and nobody else was doing this. Right, so so that's kind of the thing. You can do anything you want, and almost you can come really close to breaking the rules. Just don't go over the line. Okay. Even that, even people were saying that they broke the line. And, and the thing is, is if you break the rules, like nobody cares if you're not winning. But because they were winning, mm-hmm. people actually cared. I mean, like you Tom can Brady put in the you can put four wings on your car, and mm-hmm. nobody will care. You know what I mean? Like uh, if it's not against the rules, then so. Okay. That's that's Formula One in a nutshell. Thank you for the lesson. I genuinely <laughs> yeah. didn't. That wasn't part of my sports knowledge. Yeah, that was not uh, not on the agenda today. <laughs> so, if we um if we go across the sports world to the NFL to more specifically fo- to talk about football, I mean, I guess I'll I'll uh I won't go straight into it, but the championship games were this past weekend, and I'll talk about the Ravens and Chiefs game first. So. This game for me was hard to predict because to include bias, I'm not the biggest Lamar Jackson fan. I would personally consider myself a Lamar Jackson hater sport-wise. I don't know him as a person, but I just I'm part of the camp that feels his style of play doesn't win championships. And as as we see, his style of play doesn't win championships. And with how that game went, it was so frustrating because the Chiefs were very beatable. Like 17 to 17 to 10, that's yeah, not Yeah, they they were not the Chiefs were not bad. Yeah. Um, and I'll get into this. I have a, a little like Lions like thing about Yeah, so about I said I'll leave them last. Mm-hmm. But um but yeah, I think the Chiefs were not, they're not like this isn't like 3 years ago Chiefs where you're like this is the this is a dynasty. Yeah. Like they are a very beatable team and Baltimore could have I'm like, dude, you fumbled the ball or you know, they turn it over in the end zone like twice. And right? then not even that, like Lamar Jackson, again, even me being a Lamar Jackson hater, I would have loved for him to win that game and prove me wrong, but like, I don't know who the receiver he threw it to, but it wasn't Randy Moss. It wasn't Jerry Rice on the, that triple coverage. I mean, just... It was quadruple coverage. It was quad... <laughs> I only saw three. Like, that makes it worse. Like, yeah. it just... That decision-making... It's just the Ravens... Not to put it only on Lamar, even though I do feel he holds a pretty good portion of it, but it wasn't just him. The Ravens, in an entirety, fumbled that game. Like, not even... No pun intended, but, like, we all agree, like, the Chiefs were very beatable. Mahomes, and it kind of even plays into the strength and dynasty of the Chiefs and Mahomes because they, the receivers have been considered mediocre. I mean, Travis Kelsey is really that's the main strong suit they have, and they still manage uh, to find a way and pull these games through. But it's I mean, Taylor Swift effect, dude. Yeah, I was gonna you say know, no. unpopular opinion. I don't mind Taylor. Like, <laughs> I don't do I. like. I'm there for football. I'm not about to be bothered just because they keep showing Taylor Swift and yeah. she's a billion. She's Taylor Swift. I do the same thing. Like every yeah, Travis and Taylor. I was uh, I thought of a theory. Like, just imagine if they're not together and they just like for the business for the NFL. That'd be crazy. But what y'all say about it? Um, I mean, I heard I was listening to something. I don't remember what it was, but Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs is just like a completely different guy. Like he's in, Unless he's he insane. Tom Brady. My bad, my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> but just like seeing him and Travis Kelsey, just the chemistry that those two have together out on the field in general is probably what helped them pull a win in that game. But Lamar Jackson, he, that the Ravens kind of just blew it, I guess. I put yeah. a lot of money on the Chiefs winning because I knew that they were going to really? win. Yeah. 
Uh, I knew they were going to win. I'm a Broncos fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've seen that movie one too many times. <laughs> every time. Every time they're not. Every time you think they're not going to do it. Yeah. Guess what? They're in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And they're probably going to win. I had, a, I had a streak for about three years where I would predict the, the, the Super Bowl winner, like, after week one. So I would, like, watch the games and see, like, how each team is doing. Mm. And based solely on week one, I would predict the winner. And I got it for three years in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, the, but this year was the Ravens. And they, you know... Yeah, I put twenty five bucks on the game and won like two hundred something. Like that's crazy. That's a great investment. <laughs> that's crazy. I would have thought that the Ravens were gonna win, but I mean the Chiefs. Yeah. It's like it's like one of those things. How do you bet against them at this point? You don't, especially especially if you play them twice a year. Yeah, we did yeah. beat them though this year for the first time in eight years. So take that. And that's and that's what's crazy. Um, you want to segue into that Lions game? I do. But Let's do group I therapy <laughs> real quick before I segue into <laughs> I it. I have Lions. <laughs> I have a question. So I don't agree with this notion, but how do y'all feel about Travis Kelsey in the goat conversation as far as tight ends? Do y'all think he's there or with a ring? Let's say they win. Do you think he's there? Do you think he has yes. a case? Yes. So he does. Yeah. the argument against it, I, and I don't, I don't, I don't think I have an opinion either way. Okay. Okay. But the argument against it, I did hear that was very. Uh, Appealing is that like so you talk about Gronk. That's right? what I was gonna say. And yeah. so like the thing about Kelsey is that he's his he's kind of a receiver, mm-hmm, right? Like he's not yeah. you know like like yeah tight he's ends can be you know but that but he's spotted as a tight end. But his guy. his job is mostly receiver. I think the critique comes from to give you more you context. Like, Thomas. You mean like he's not like as good of a blocker? Yeah, that's yeah. Like, for what I've okay. seen. That's where the context yeah. comes like, from. That's kind yeah. of the lines conversation. Lines up at tight end, and he runs tight end routes like he's a tight end. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's that's true. I mean you could say that he's the best receiving tight end. I mean, Patriots, but I don't think that just because a guy's a good receiving tight end that makes him a good tight end. The mm. Patriots would split Gronk out wide all the time. You know, like yeah. I mean that's true. That's true. Like I said, I don't have an opinion either mm-hmm. way. I'm just here to put the yeah. the fire, stoke like, the fire, and back what I was out. Say is, <laughs> what I'm gonna say is like this is all a conversation. Yeah. And like your question was, is he in the goat conversation? Yes, he is. Like yeah, he's in if, the conversation. If you have to think yeah. about the arguments against it, mm-hmm. he's in the conversation. That's true. Yeah, he's he's in the conversation. I don't think I don't know if he he'd be the I don't I don't think that I'd say that he's the goat. No, he's not the goat yet. No. See, but, and you bring up a whole other debate of the whole, like, the conversation. Like, this happens in NBA. Like, if somebody's, like, what are we considering the conversation if, like, let's say, for example, we're trying to think of a top 10 player and he's at 10. I mean, I guess if he's, if we're saying he's in the conversation of top 10, but he's 10, I mean, I guess that's the conversation. I mean, how long but, have these leagues been going on, right? Yeah, you know like, how mean? long is like the if conversation somebody, if going somebody's, on? If somebody's in the top 10 all time, mm-hmm. they're in the conversation. If mm-hmm. you're making a figurative Venn diagram, yeah. it's a conversation. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I personally still have – well, I have Gronk as the uh, GOAT tight end. I mean, Brady fan, Gronk fan kind of makes sense. But even then, when you think of people like Tony Gonzalez, Shannon Sharp, I mean, Travis Kelsey is in that conversation. But um, to not prolong the inevitable any longer, man, I mean, it sucks to talk about the last 49ers game. It sucks because what similar to what Brad was talking about, I'm usually good with my predictions every year. And I did predict the 49ers to win this game. But as the Lions started off so high, it's like they gave me hope. And it's like, I've also been 
especially if you know me personally, I'd be considered a Detroit team's hater because they sucked for so long. I'm like, I'm not about to keep giving them faith, but they finally good this year. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Yeah, they can beat the, like, they go win that first game. I had a feeling they was going to win their first game. I had a feeling they'd beat the uh, Buccaneers or the Packers if the Packers would have beat the 49ers. And then once they got to the 49ers, I'm like, okay. Because the 49ers have been my, they've been my prediction to win the Super Bowl because it, it doesn't make sense to them not to win the Super Bowl. I mean, their team is stacked. They got Brock Purdy looking like Cam Prime, Cam Newton. I mean, there's no excuse in my opinion for them not to win the Super Bowl this year. But I'm like, okay, the winner of that 49ers-Lions game, I personally feel could be either the Chiefs or Ravens. I still feel the Lions could have beat, uh, they could have walked in that Super Bowl and beat Patrick Mahomes. So. They definitely could have beat Lamar Jackson in my opinion. So I'm like, the winner of that game, Super Bowl champions. And Lions up big, 17-0. They looked great. Like, Jameer Gibbs, I think that's how you say his name. He was running the ball great. Jared Goff looking good. It didn't look like 49ers had an answer. It looked like a typical Kyle Shanahan choke uh, performance. And then it, like, it just completely flips on his head the second half. I, there were literally memes of people on Instagram. You know how they got the little status thing? Everybody was saying, like, go Lions, go Lions, Lions Chiefs Super Bowl. Right. And it completely flipped to, I'm never watching football again. How could this happen? And it's just disappointing because as I texted to my dad and some friends, like, they Lions the game up. Like, n- only Detroit. That was one of those, at least how I felt. Like, only only the Lions could do a loss like that because yeah. it was funny. Um, I don't know if y'all saw certain TikToks of, like, they were making, like, Lamar Jackson edits or, like, Lions edits, like, to save us from the Chiefs because they didn't want the Chiefs to get to another Super Bowl. And it's like, they managed to let the country down like that's a big loss Ravens and Lions like we got another 49ers Chiefs Super Bowl and I get if I'm right I mean I guess the 49ers may win or maybe Patrick Mahomes get ring number three ring number would it be ring number three three? ring number four would it be I don't know I think it was three he's beaten the 49ers already he's beat who he beat for his first ring just has two yeah so it'd be ring number three I mean I get 49ers Chiefs woohoo but (laughs) what y'all say I mean it was a heartbreaker for me I <laughs> <laughs> and then real quick before you start, Maddie. As a Brady fan, I, I'm not mad at the narrative of like Chiefs keep winning because I mean I'm a Brady fan. But from I feel it from being a LeBron fan and having to deal with the Warriors, so I get how people feel about the Chiefs now because it's like he keeps winning. But I was a Brady fan, so I'm like, hey, Brady got seven. Mahomes <laughs> can keep getting some. It is what it is. But um, I mean, I I've I've grown up a Lions fan, but this is the first year where I was like, okay, maybe I should start actually, like, watching football, like, learning people in the NFL and just seeing how far the Lions came from in the past couple years from their first season with Dan Campbell to their season now and just seeing the finish that they had to this season after just blowing everybody out of the water. Not necessarily, but, like, Mm -hmm. just having a dominating season that, like, us in our lifetime, we've never seen it before. Um and that that ending was just heartbreaking. Like you're up twenty four to three or something like that. Well, it was, it was, it was a seventeen point lead. At, it was twenty four something. Yeah, it was twenty four ten. Twenty four seven. Twenty four seven. Yeah, twenty four seven. I can't do math. Sorry. <laughs> I know I can't either. I can't <laughs> even remember the score. That's why we're journalists. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you come out of halftime and you're like, all right, let's let's keep the ball rolling. Like let's let's finish what we started, and then they just. I have no words. So here's my here's my here's my thing. Okay, so I don't know what your what y'all's opinions are okay. um, about specifically about the decision making. Yep. There's been a lot. Of, there's <laughs> I was. Lot of, I wanted y'all to I do it. Talk like a, about so it. There's been a lot of talk. There's yeah. been a lot of talk. So this is where here's my. I'm just gonna. 
I'm gonna lay, put a, the lay of the land okay. out here. Okay, and I want to see. Go first. I want to see if you guys agree with me. Okay. Okay. Right. So a lot of people are talking and blaming Dan Campbell. Okay. Then there's a lot of people defending him mm-hmm. and saying like all this other stuff. Okay. So here's my thing. I think that it's about a 70 30 maybe 65 35 split between Campbell and the team. Like this was a whole like a lot of things Who had has to 65 go, out of curiosity. Uh kind I would say Campbell okay. just for and I'll explain my reasons in a okay. second. Okay. But this isn't like I don't think that Campbell's blameless. Like I think that if you think he's blameless that's like delusional thinking. Mm-hmm. No offense. But um, so here's 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 my thing. So um, Campbell, obviously, like you know, you sign up. He's gonna he's gonna go for it on fourth down. You know, and I don't I don't mind that. I think that you know if that's his coaching style, so be it. You know, and I know that and I know that the players dropped a lot of passes. I think my my issue with Campbell's decisions, like of of them all, the first the one that that really bugged me was not actually even any of the fourth down conversions. It's the fact that he went he chose to run it. I don't know if that was if that you was talking about third and goal. I was yeah, third that, and goal. Yeah, that's... And you run it and it's a and now you waste a timeout, the game's over. Like you just the, the game's over. Mm-hmm. You just ended the game. Yeah. Like it's there's no chance for you to come back. And I know that like the chances still would have been slim. Mm-hmm. But that's just not like you know any NFL coach, you can't do that. Um, but of the fourth down decisions, I think the only one that was really like truly questionable is the uh, the one where he was down and that would have tied the game. The field goal yep. would have tied the Absolutely. game. Yeah. That was the that was the big one. I think that like going, f- you know, because people are talking the discourse right now is like comparing the fourth downs as though they're equal. Mm-hmm. You know, but the problem is, is that like you had one where you were up twenty four ten, and then you had another where you're down twenty seven twenty four. Yeah, like those are not the same in my eyes. To give you a bit of a rebuttal, even though we're pretty much ninety nine percent on the same pat on the same uh, mindset, but the one where it was twenty four seven, weren't they also in field goal range? Twenty four ten, twenty four ten. They were, they were they also yeah, so they were range? in field goal range, and and all of them I think were like fourth and two, fourth and three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But which isn't which isn't a bad idea, and and even up twenty four ten, like yeah, you could argue that k- taking the points at this point would just be like a, the safer option. Mm-hmm. But like at least you have the risk to go for it. Yeah. You know, at at the time that I mean this is these were only like a few minutes between each other, mm-hmm. these two fourth downs. Yeah. Well, I think one was at the beginning of the, the first half and then the other one was at the end of the Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm following you, know, you. Whatever. But the 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 game had completely flipped mm-hmm. at that point. You know, you're down 27-24 now. I mean, just take it. You know, just I mean, at this point, because now if if San Francisco scores and you don't make the fourth down, mm-hmm. like you have to be thinking in advance. And I just wish I think that uh, my opinion at when Campbell got hired was very negative. Mm. I, I think was, a lot of people's was. Well, my issue was Mine that he never called a single play in the NFL, and I'm really? like rookie head coach, rookie He's rookie not calling plays. What's that? He's not calling plays. No, 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 no. no. But that, but that's my. But my point is, is that like if you're a head coach, like you should have the the experience to, you know, especially if you have a rookie GM. I think I don't like the rookie GM rookie head coach combo. Mm. But, but but and I believe I had a lot more faith in Brad Holmes because he had built a lot of the Rams roster, and I really liked what he did there. 
But my problem with, with Campbell was really just that he had never really had the experience to warrant the, the head coach role. And, I, and he's grown on me over time for sure. Um, but, like, I, but I guess my point is, is that, like, I just wish he was more tactical for, you know, making these decisions. And I think that if you're a Lions fan and you're on the Campbell train, you just have to live with the stuff that he does mm-hmm. and hope that he learns from it because he's kind of just learning with what he does. You would, we would all agree that he's a good head coach. He's great. It's just the fact of, like, really trying to hone in on these these decisions that that really make you wonder like like I don't understand why didn't he go for it on fourth and goal at the end of the half you know you know you know what I mean I'm not saying that that would have saved the game but there are just a lot of things that had to go wrong here and almost all of them did (laughs) including the fumble by Gibbs including the drop passes by Reynolds there's just you know what I mean you can't like you know if he would have put his players in a better decisions in a better place to succeed, those dis- those issues wouldn't have really ruined the game, I guess is my point. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, he Dan Campbell is one of the coaches, like one of the only coaches in the NFL that has the highest percent chance of going for the fourth down. Like, he, he does it most of the time. But then, yes, there's some times where you're sitting there and you're like, you went for it on the fourth down the last time. Why aren't you going for it now? Like, if you know that you can do it, then why aren't you doing it? Like, just go for it. But then, yeah, I mean, the you should have kicked a field goal. And while there's, there's a lot of controversy that I've heard about how our kicker is probably not the greatest in the league. Why is he on the team? Why, like, you know what I mean? Like, He's that's, I guess, like... a 50-yarder in the playoffs. Like... Yeah, that's that's my I think I think that's my my yeah. issue is like why is he there? Like why do you have him on the team if you don't believe why him? Are you paying him millions of dollars? Yeah, yeah. Or that's my that's, I guess that's my thing. It's like I don't think that's a good excuse. Yeah, if you don't trust him enough to do it, then why is he why there? Is he there? It wasn't even fifty yards either. It was, it was like, like forty eight. Just, just leave yeah. the kicker position absent. To to, to play <laughs> devil's know? advocate, even though I do agree with y'all, I mean. If he would have converted those fourth downs, we'd be singing a very different tone. And that is how life but works, like, like, if it would have worked. That's, but, like, yeah. that's my thing with it. Like, I have zero problem with either of the decisions mm-hmm. because I actually am a fan of that, like, mentality. If you stick with it and you mm-hmm. live, live by it, but you also die by it, I had no problem with either of them. And they were, were both good plays. There were two throws that were pretty much on the receiver, and they were both dropped. Both, mm-hmm. they, both passes yeah. hit the receiver in both of his hands, and ended up on the ground like you can't blame Campbell for that no absolutely yeah. not um, well wasn't the second one actually a throwaway by Goff they were both just straight up drops I yeah. thought I thought the the second one by Goff was um, the one where they were down um, y'all memory better than the one that they, they were down I think it was the one that was right across the middle you just yeah the hand, Reynolds just dropped, dropped it, it. Though, I thought that was the first one pass. The first one was in also Reynolds. incomplete deep right to Amon Ross St. Brown. Maybe that was at the end of the game. That was the second fourth I think he down conversion. It. I thought I thought it was I, he got forced out of the pocket and he threw it away. I don't think he. I feel like it he didn't, didn't hit a receiver's hand. The first one, the first one was a drop by Reynolds. That one was right up the middle. Yeah. The um, there was two drops by Reynolds on fourth down that were he, huge. Yeah. I only see two fourth down conversions on the stat sheet on the play by play. You mean attempts? They didn't convert it. No, like they only lost on downs twice. 
one and one was a pass to the right to Amon Ross St. Brown, and it was like a floater. I think he was forced out of the pocket. I remember watching because I because I watched him and he like he totally like you know it, it, like it was I I did not think it was a good play call. Yeah. The the first yeah. one was not Campbell's fault. No. You know what I mean? Because like you can't. I mean you that was actually a good play call, a good setup. And uh, you can't, I mean, you can't count on, uh, you know, your guy dropping the pass. I thought that was a really good play by the Lions, especially with Goff. I think Goff played incredible that whole year, or that whole, there was... And I'm not not saying that the second play was Goff's fault. I just, because I remember watching it, and that was just, that was, I mean, I think San Francisco more or less played the play, like, they just played it really well. Mm -hmm. And Amon Ra ran a... um, I think it was a it was either a post or a sl- uh, not a slant but a um cross, either a, you talking about? uh what's that? Were we talking about a cross? No, not a cross. It? He he ran, he was lined up on the right side and he ran out to the right. And I think Goff was oh, trying I to throw it towards the corner. end zone, but he um but Goff had nobody open to throw it to, so he yeah. started rolling right and he couldn't find anybody. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the play devil's advocate like if that's your strategy, like stick to your guns and keep it in your quarterback's hands. I completely like Thomas said, I can I don't agree with him. I understand the decisions, but I mean, yeah. yeah and then we're not even talking about the dropped interception from the Lions, where it was tipped to Brandon Ayuk on the goal line. <laughs> like that could have been a great play. Yeah. And then, yeah. as far as the decisions, I mean, I do like I said, I can defend Dan Campbell's decision on those. But I mean, I feel you should have took both field goals, like the twenty four ten, and especially when you're down, take both field goals. If I'm not mistaken, that wins them the game if they take those field if you, goals. If you, take if you make them, goal, of course. If you even take both field goals. You're probably gonna win the game. Yeah, so. yeah, probably. I mean, that's the, yeah. Like, I, I mean, those are just points that that you and, and not even to mention the, uh, the. I mean, like I said at the beginning of the um, at the. I mean, at the end of the half, they had that fourth and goal at the two yard line, and they ended up taking the field goal. And I was like, I was like, if that if you're gonna go for it, there's your there's your going for it. Yeah, like that. It's you're at the end of the half. What are they gonna do if you don't you know if you don't get it? Well, like, I mean, he just kicked a field goal. Three possessions. I mean, I kind of get it. Yeah, I, since San Francisco got the ball back, I I agree with the field goal there too. I mean, personally. I guess I just I, I also, like. I mean, he was yeah. looking at it. You know what I mean? Like he mm. was look. He was trying to decide if. Yeah, he was I remember he was looking it. on the side, and then I was like, and he was asking the ref like, "How close is it?" I I don't know. I just feel like if you're gonna be aggressive, like that's a that's actually not a bad decision mm-hmm. because at least at that point, if you don't make it. You can kind of adjust your strategy for later. Yeah, and, and you can play the game by ear. You're up 17 you points I mean? instead of being down three. Well, so. yeah, and and that adds another. Instead of getting three points, you get seven. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you know yeah, I mean? and like definitely win the game. So that's definitely like, win. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to play what if. I mean, they could have went for it on fourth down there mm-hmm. and not made it, mm-hmm. and then you're you're out three points, mm-hmm. and then they could have also kicked those field goals and missed missed both of them. I don't know why they would. I'm just I'm just just putting that yeah. out there. If we play all these hypothetical scenarios, like we'd be we in could, the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. and, and so I don't know. I just and I, I think the worst part about this for me because I'm I'm a generally like new Lions fan. Mm. I grew up very cynical about the Lions because they would always they have a history of being like the worst franchise ever. Right, so yeah. like it's it's just it was always very hard for me to root for them. And this year, I've gotten on board because of their success and everything. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I'm on the bandwagon. <laughs> but um, I think the thing that that hurts the most is how beatable Kansas City is. Exactly, because oh, in yeah. my opinion, the Detroit Lions did not just lose the NFC title game; they lost the Super Bowl. 
Yeah. Because, like, you could have gone and you could have... They beat Kansas City in Kansas City. Only by one, though. I mean, yes, with with a bunch... I mean, Kansas City had some, some issues with, with personnel mm-hmm. and injuries and everything. So yeah. there is that, but... They could have beaten Kansas City. I so fully beatable. believe that Kansas City is a beatable team. Yeah. I think they are too. And that's why I think, even though they were my prediction already, like the 49ers, this should be this shouldn't be the continuation of Patrick Mahomes' legacy or dynasty. Like this should be a nope. should have been a Lions win. But since it's yeah. the 49ers, I mean Brock Purdy about to go from last draft to champion if things go as planned. But even like you mentioned earlier, like I can give them the fourth downs, I can give them not going forward on that fourth and goal. Why do you run it on third and goal? Like yeah, I mean, that, like if you don't make it, the game's over. Yeah, and you rely on your, you have to get an onside kick like that. I mean, that's just that's just game mismanagement that like is unquestionably like dumb. Yeah, they, they, they lions like, the game up. <laughs> like I, I mean, I was listening to another radio host. He called it malpractice. You know what I mean? Like that's just kind of you know. Yeah, like, you but, can't you can't do that. But to save it for last, Thomas, I know you probably got a uh, mouthful to get an audience. I mean, I kind of just said what I needed to say. You know, they. I have no problem with what he did, but if you kick both field goals, you probably win the game. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to. There's two things can be true at the same time, mm-hmm. and if you're just looking at it, like, objectively, yeah. it's, it's just not a good decision. And you said they were under 50 yards, too, right? Well, so even if the kicker yeah, is like bad. 40, I mean, and he's, he, I think he's like 88% for his career. So, like, I don't think he's Wait, that so bad. Wait, so he's not even bad? I that's, not, that's not bad. <laughs> like, I don't con- think he's that bad. He convert third, fourth downs at, like, an insanely high rate. So, like, if they make the, the fourth downs, he's a hero. If they drop two very catchable walls. Yeah, then That's no. the thing. And it's like, I'm looking guy. at these plays, and I'm like, yeah, if he makes them, he's a hero. He's a genius. If he doesn't, he's an idiot. Like, I'm like, yeah, but you can't chalk every decision up to that. And there right. were yeah. two good play, two good plays for two guys that got open and decent throws on both. Yeah, and so. especially if one do, if I don't know if both or one do, but if you drop in the ball, I mean... I mean, literally, the Lions dropped the ball. So, and, and, and I do, what can you and, do? And, and I do want to reiterate though, too. Um, Campbell's not like the only one to blame. It, it is the players. Yeah, yeah. It is a lot of people. definitely. It's never in these situations. It's never on one person. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. this has been a phenomenal episode with you guys. I appreciate all y'all for being here, and even the audience for this new format. Maybe it'll be us again. Maybe it'll be some new people who don't know or who knows. But real quick before we go, Super Bowl predictions. I've made it clear to 49ers they shouldn't lose. But I think the 49ers will win it. I hope they do. Chiefs. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Chiefs. I don't know what it is, but the it's way like so <laughs> like I think that the Lions are a good team, but I think that the 49ers and the Chiefs are both like beatable teams. I don't think that I, I think San Francisco. Yeah, they 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 might be like you know uh, they might be stacked. They might have a lot of good players, but I think that. You know, I mean, Brock Purdy's shown that he can do a lot. I just, I don't know. I just can't. I'm not going to bet against Kansas City. Definitely yeah. understandable. I'll probably put 25 bucks on the game. <laughs> <laughs> hey, make another quick 200. Yeah. But this has been the Sports Roundtable Podcast with just with myself, Anthony Branson. Maddie Warden. Thomas Cobb. Brad LaPlante. Thank you. See you all later. <laughs>